Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 66th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys for the final time in 2021. Getting you ready for Carolina Boston College, which will now take place on Sunday. We're going to give you a breakdown of Boston College, update you on some notes and stats for Carolina, give our keys to the game, pick the game, and all that great stuff before we do get out of here for this edition but before we do any of that fun stuff, we start, as we do every preview edition, with the pod thought of the day. And look, we are a basketball podcast. I I need this. I need this in my life right now. The, I need an inspirational quote of the day. I've got one. But as I was saying, we are a basketball podcast, and usually our pod thoughts of the day are basketball-related or come from basketball people. Yeah. But the sports world, we lost an icon earlier this week as John Madden passed away earlier this week at the age of 85. Um, you know, everyone, sports talk, radio, TV shows, the NFL is going to honor him. Everyone's dedicating time to honor John Madden. So we're going to do that here on the podcast as well. And it's a fun one. It's kind of like what you would maybe expect from a Royism, but it's a Maddenism. Um, and John once said, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Does that inspire you in any way? Boom. Yeah, it, it definitely does. What an unbelievable man for the game of football that John Madden was. I heard yesterday, I think it was Kyle Bailey who does a show in Charlotte, um, and we're, we're on the radio station WFNZ, and we get to work with him. I thought he made a phenomenal point yesterday. Everything this guy did, he did well. Mm-hmm. He coached well. Same can be said about me. He was an absolute legend as a broadcaster. And he created one of the greatest video games ever made. If mm-hmm. not the greatest video game ever made. 
So the the thing that I thought was interesting is the topic then came up from some people about who is somebody else in the sports world that had that type of impact on their sport. It's really hard because that impact was just so big in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, Michael, Dean Smith came up. I that text that you heard, that was me. Oh, there you go. Um, that was a good one. I, I thought Dean is probably the guy that I would think. Of. I know Mike's had a huge impact, but for college basketball itself, for well, basketball, well, Mike, you, you think you about argue. everything that Carolina still does, and that every team virtually adopted after Dean Smith implemented the tire signal. That didn't exist before before Dean Smith. The huddling at the free throw line, Dean Smith. College basketball got a shot clock because of Dean Smith's four-corner offense. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the, one of the guys that pushed to get the three-point shot into the college game. Like, he did so much good for the game while he was the head coach of Carolina basketball. Even after he retired, he was still a big part of Carolina basketball and still is a big part of Carolina basketball and college basketball, the tradition and everything that, that you know we celebrate as, as Tar Heels and, and just general fans of college hoops. Um, but there you go. That's our pod thought of the day. Let's get into Boston College. As I mentioned earlier, this game was supposed to be played on Saturday at noon. It's been pushed back to Sunday. Don't know when as of time of recording. It's either going to be noon or 1 p.m., but they are still finalizing TV deal or the you know the TV side of things to figure out which network's going to carry the game and all that that fun stuff. Boston College limps into this matchup with just a six and five record overall. They are one and zero in the ACC though. They beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat Kentucky. And Kentucky, well, we know what they did to Carolina. Oh, come on. Let's not play that game. Please, um, God. But they have some – they got some losses on their, their resume that, that aren't beautiful to the eye. They've lost at home to Albany. They've lost at St. Louis. And they've lost twice to Rhode Island. And this isn't – What? Yeah. They How played. did they play Rhode Island twice? They oh, yeah, they had that weird schedule where they scheduled them originally. And played them in a holiday event. Yes. Um, and, look, that's that's not the Rhode Island that Hurley was building there before he's, you know, now he's at UConn and kind of doing the same thing he did at Rhode Island at UConn. He's building a, you know, a nice, a nice program there. They only got three guys that average double-figure scoring, led by DeMar Langford, who averages 12.1 points per game. They do have seven guys, though, averaging roughly seven points or more, so a more balanced scoring attack, as you would expect from a team that, uh, frankly, doesn't have that alpha dog type of thing. You know, they need all of their guys to help them win. Um, some things they do really well, they only allow six-and-a-half offensive rebounds per game. That's ninth in the NCAA. They only allow 29 total rebounds per game. That's 13th in the country. Um, and they're doing that with an average height of a roster of just six foot six. They only play three guys that are 6'9 or taller. And they're a relatively young team as only the, the, the average experience of the roster is 1.9 years of experience. The thing about Boston College is this. They're not a good team, but they're in the first year of a new head coach, an Earl Grant. And 
this might be the toughest job in ACC basketball. It's got to be up there. I mean, this isn't, you know, look, when when they first entered the league, when they came over from the Big East, you had Tyrese Rice, Jared Dudley, Al Skinner was a really good coach, and they gave Carolina a lot of fits because of how physical they were. Yep. But since those guys left, and they moved on from Skinner. You've seen this program struggle. They haven't made the NCAA tournament in over a decade. It's a really tough job. Yeah, it's it's weird because you would think in the Northeast that it wouldn't be all that difficult to succeed because, you know, there's talent up there. There, there always has been. But it's not in the most lucrative recruiting area because in the Northeast, I think it's I think it's blown out of proportion a little bit. You can recruit in in two areas in the Northeast, New Jersey and New York. Yep. That's really it. Up uh, Outside of that, you don't have these great recruiting areas. And they're a school they're, – they're weird. Like, I mean, I know they're an academic university. What is their athletic department overly successful at? I guess hockey is probably their most successful sport. <laughs> so – but but my point is they've never really put money or their their fan base has never really demanded results mm-hmm. in really either major sport. So in, in that respect, yeah, it's tough to get guys to come and play for you. Occasionally you'll hit on some of those talented guys. I mean, we remember guy that was committed to Carolina to play football ended up becoming one of their best players in recent memory in Kai Bowman. Mm-hmm. Heck of a player. But you've got to find those diamonds in the rough. Ultimately, me and you both, we like Earl Grant. Yeah, we think a, there's something there. He's a good coach. So he he's he did a really good job at College of Charleston. Carolina saw that a couple years ago where even though they won that game, I mean they they it was a fight. Yeah, and my my, my only my, my biggest hope for Earl Grant and all these new head coaches that are either in new schools this year or last year. You have to give them more time than usual because they're still navigating their programs through a COVID pandemic that is still, we're going on two years of this affecting the way we live our lives. It's amazing. It it honestly is. And and the way these guys run their programs and stuff like that. If you give him ample amount of time, he will build a solid quality program. I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC or make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, but he is the type of coach that can get you at least back to the NCAA tournament. Right, they don't have to. The goal is to get there for them. You know, just get competitive again in the ACC. Right. Because when when they first entered the league and they were decent or good, Mm -hmm. there's an environment up there because there ain't nothing else to do up there in the middle of winter anyway. And when Carolina, and it's still for Carolina, when they go there, like they're going to on Sunday, it's one of those places that it's eerily quiet, and it makes it really difficult. Yeah, it's a strangely tough environment. Exactly. Yep. yep. I, I I 100% agree with you. And, and so let's 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 focus now on Carolina. Um, they enter nine and three overall. They of course also one and zero in the ACC. They got that that lone ACC win early. In December at Georgia Tech, I, I really stressed this a lot before, um, as as we entered Christmas, that those nine wins were the most since Christmas or before Christmas of 2017, 18. Really, a reminder to myself to calm down, be patient, 
you're getting the results that you want, the team's winning, they're getting better, and all that fun stuff. Still got five players averaging double-figure scoring. Armando Baycott and Kayla Lubberwolf tied at 15.1 points per game. Armando nearly averaging a double-double because he's got those 15.1 points and 9.8 rebounds as he's been Carolina's most consistent player all season long. Their three-point shooting has dipped, but they're still well above where they have been in years past. 16th in the country at 39%. One thing we haven't talked a lot about um, and, and in spite of Carolina being a bad defensive team, they don't foul very often. And that's because they're only allowing opponents to shoot 11.9 free throws per game, which is eighth fewest in college basketball. Something that, that's getting back to that whole Dean Smith. And even Roy Williams said that when he first got back to Carolina, we're going to make more free throws than you're going to take. Carolina's getting back to that. Well, the, you know, granted, some of that's because they're not playing any defense at all. But when they have played really good defense, Dang. they've done so without fouling, which I think is something that um, has been overlooked by myself, especially by you and, and all targets. Hey, 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 included. hey. Watch it. Um, but then on the flip side of it, as a, they're not you know, committing a lot of fouls, that also means they're not forcing a lot of turnovers. Just 10.1 turnovers per game. That's sixth fewest in college basketball. So here's the thing. It's it's good in a sense that you're not committing a lot of fouls. But is it also not bad in a sense? Because at certain points, does that not mean that you're not contesting shots? Oh, yeah. To a certain extent? That's my concern. On paper, that stat looks great. Okay, mm-hmm. we're not fouling a lot. Our guys are being smart. Yes, there are scenarios where that's happening, but in in the Kentucky game, yeah, I could have lived with them fouling a little bit more and making it a little bit tougher on them. There are things that there is such a thing as a good foul, whether that's being mm-hmm. aggressive in a double team, trying to force a tie up, force a steal, contesting a shot. Look, some you know, look now. I'm still going to yell at you if the guy lands on your foot or something. Well, like you're going to yell at him if they score a bucket. But you know, you still want to. You know, it's just more of that effort. If, if you're committing fouls and it's not from a lack of, like, rotation, like you're just trying and you commit a foul, that's going to happen. That's ball. But that, that that is a very good point. The biggest thing about both these teams, they're both coming off layoffs. Uh, what, what, one is a little bit Boston more. Boston College hasn't played since December 13th. They had their two ACC games, of course, Wake Forest and Florida State. Those got postponed due to COVID. And that last game? Was a loss to Albany, so yeah. that's not a great game to sort of feed in off of. And Carolina hasn't played since the Tuesday before Christmas, so we can expect some uh, some rugged play to start the game. Both some teams. rust, yeah, some rust. Um, and, and so that will be something to watch. But I do think Carolina, having gone on the road already and winning a game in an ACC venue where historically they have issues, is beneficial. That's the one good side about that early ACC game if you get the win is that you've already got that one win underneath your belt. And also for Carolina, look, the ACC's down. We Everyone knows that. You and Duke are clearly – there's a gap from, from Duke to you, but then from you to whoever that third-best team in the league is, whether it's Miami, who beat NC State last night, whether that's Wake Forest, who lost to Louisville last night, or maybe that's Virginia Tech, a team who we're not going to see until next week because of COVID. Maybe it's Louisville. Maybe it's Louisville. But the thing is, is that 
you know, Carolina's got to stack wins to win the ACC. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned on the last edition of the pod that it might take 16-17 with the down ACC that you got to win a lot of these games. But the, the easiest way to put yourself in, those, in that position is to get wins on the road. You've already got one on the road. You get one on Sunday. Now you're 2-0 on the road. You've yet to lose at home this year. You've done a much better job in recent years. Last year, remember, just 11-1. and or they, they went 11-1 and at home. That one loss was to Marquette in a uh, oddly scheduled game due to COVID. And, and this year, they, they're 6-0 and at home as well. So it's one of those things that while, you know, you want to win every game, this win won't mean a lot in terms of their resume and all that. But when you look back, if they win the ACC, this is what we want you to look back on because it was on the road after a roughly a two-week layoff. And, it you know, it, it Winning is a lot better than losing. Well, how about this stat? Undefeated at home, undefeated on the road. Yep, they've only Win- lost on neutral. Winless in neutral sites. Yep. So let's. So maybe we should get the NCAA tournament played on uh, the Denise, the you know the the, the Smith Center, and maybe- can we petition for that? Or at least can we have it in Greensboro? Have yeah. the Kansas. Uh, type feel whenever they say, oh, we didn't mean to put Kansas in Kansas City or St. Louis. Yeah, okay. No, Carolina's played their fair share of yeah, true, true, tournament true. games in Greensboro or Raleigh, but... I'm with you, though. I think you got to feel pretty confident. One, the, the the layoff, much more significant for Boston College. Mm-hmm. On on top of them coming out of COVID, too. Right. So, so you don't know what conditioning's going to be like for them. Not, they're not going to be full... Stocked and ready to go, you would imagine. You're still probably going to have people working out of protocols. And as you said, well, you're not being able to practice. So their conditioning is going to be not at the level. Of, like no Carolina doubt. hasn't played, but they're still able to practice. Right. And look, Carolina had the, the, the first, I would say, five days to week is a normal layoff. Mm-hmm. That's what you get for Christmas. That, that's gonna, that was scheduled anyways. So, yeah, they've come back and they've been able to practice since. Now, yeah, you had the one game that was canceled. That hurts a little bit, but here's the thing. This is the type of opponent that you would want to see, and that type of layoff is worse on a team that's struggling. Yep. So that's – I think all that, the fact that you've won a much tougher road game already. You, you beat – Georgia Tech is a much better team than Boston College. Yes. That should give you confidence that Carolina can get this done in this game. Yeah, it's a sleepy environment. You're going to be tipping off at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday? Yeah, that's an early time. That's one that you could sleepwalk through. But this should be a team that's eager to get back out there. You had that layoff. That was a big game. That was a chance for you to sort of prove, hey, look, we're, we're as close to Duke as it gets in this conference. That was a chance to make a statement. Virginia Tech's not great. Virginia Tech has a heck of a head coach, and they had some expectations coming into that game. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, they might have the best player in the conference, or at least one of the one of the three best players in the conference in Kevin Aluma. Mm-hmm. So this should be a, a game where you're motivated, you're a little not angry, not angry at the fact that there's a COVID situation going on. Angry at the fact that this is still around, that you're having to go through this, that should feed into this game even more. And that's why I feel pretty confident in, in what Carolina's going to be rolling out with. Well, we're going to take a quick break. You'll, we're going to play you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back 
And we're going to give our keys to the game and then pick the game as Carolina gets on the road and heads up to Chestnut Hill for their second ACC game of the 2021-22 season. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, only one per customer, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great promos I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast as well. Get to DraftKings, use up, use those promo codes, earn you some great extra cash to get you out of holiday debt and get you ready for the new year as we get ready for 2022. My very first key to the game kind of comes back to what I think Carolina is going to have to battle all season long. Now, we talked about when we, 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 we recapped the end of December what we were looking forward to from this team, and that is to play consistently hard. And so my very first key is energy, effort, and toughness. Those are the three things that Hubert Davis says in his press conference no matter what. So let me get this straight. Your first key is three keys. Yes. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. It's a three and one. It's – it's like the uh, what, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, you got to get in that triple threat stance where you're gonna pass the ball, shoot the ball, dribble the ball. Kind of what I was on the basketball court. I was a three and one type of player. I could do it all at one time. Yep, you could wipe the floor. You could make sure that the mat was in the right place, and you could point to other teammates to tell them that they were going into the game, and, not you, and score 35 on one leg. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing, mainly because of the game being pushed back to Sunday. That's an extra added distraction. The time of the game that it's going to be at, either noon or one o'clock. So it's going to be it's going to be sleepy in Conti Forum. And look, Carolina, when they when they play to the level of their their talent, when they play with energy, when they play with effort, and they play with toughness. We've seen the type of team that they can be. They can be a top 15 team in the country. They can compete to win an ACC title. Definitely. But when they don't, and I'm not just saying that it's just shown up in the losses to just, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky because you got blown out. I mean, UNC Asheville. Yeah. Brown a little bit. The start of the College of Charleston game. Yep. They didn't come out with that energy, effort, and toughness. And... They're not good enough to not play that way and still win, which is fine. You're in the first year of a of a mini rebuild. How many teams, honestly, are there that are like that are built like that? Maybe it's, four or five. It's rare. 
it's rare. And I know Carolina's had a good amount of those. But, I mean, even if you think about in recent memory, some of the teams, and I'm not talking about the teams that struggled right here at the end of the Roy Williams era over the last two years. Just think about some of those teams' early Marcus Page years. Those teams couldn't just roll out and win games if they didn't play their best. It takes a special type of team. I'm going to be honest. Are we... Was 2017 even really like that? No, that team had to play the way right. they had to play to achieve what they wanted to. They were just that team played with the amount of desperation that if if if, if Carolina could get half of that, they would win 95 percent of their games. They played with the amount of desperation that I play when I go on Tinder. That's now their success rate much higher. But That's yeah. also accurate. Yeah, there you go. The thing about all three of these, this, this you know, this this three key and one key, that starts with with Caleb Love because Armando is your best player. Mm-hmm. Caleb Love is your most important player because he sets the tone for everything. That should be the theme of the podcast. When by the way. whenever he's engaged, Carolina looks different on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks better because. He is more of your natural point guard. He's more of your natural floor leader. And I, we're at we're at the point where look, we didn't need you to be overly engaged against the Elons and the Furmans and the App States of the world. We could get by with just Armando or someone else stepping up. He's got to bring it every night. And you get more confident when you do these types of things on the road. Because it's easy to do it in your home gym, in your home environment. But when you can go on the road... In a place where he's never played before. They didn't play at Boston College last season. They did not. And go up there and have that type of success. Well, then it's then it, then you then it, you know success breeds success, and it carries over to the next game and the next game, and then the whole team feels it. And I wonder if that's what Hubert Davis spent the last week and a half or so getting through his head, is that we want to play through Armando Baycock first, but that's an extension of everything that you do. You are the key. You have the you have the key to the ignition. You're driving the train. You're driving this locomotive where we want to get to. It starts and ends with you because ultimately Armando Baycock can carry this team to us to you know as, as to a certain level. They want to achieve all their goals and all their dreams and what they think they can do. It's going to be on the back of Caleb Love. Armando can carry them to where they got last year. I, I think that's a fair assessment, and I feel confident in that. If you want to take it to that next level, you're right. You need Caleb Love to step up. You need, to me, more consistent effort and more consistent production mm-hmm. from R.J. Davis. I mean, we talked so much about how important those two guys were going to be to this team. Now, you're right. I mean, Caleb Love's your point guard. Caleb Love's a guy that I think has shown this season the most that when he takes over a game, it's a much different result. But you want to see it from both guys. Yeah. You need to be demanding it from both guys, not just Caleb. But yeah, it, this is the this is the type of game where you're playing a less talented opponent than you. And you know, that Kentucky game certainly wasn't your best outing. I get it that this isn't the best opponent. This is an ACC opponent. It's a chance to show that look, it's conference season. I'm going to turn it up just a little bit. And look, we're not saying this is the problem. A lot of people believe that when we say 
we want to see more consistency from you. We want to see you play a little bit better. That that means, well, every night he's got to score 20 or else he's not going to be successful. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that you need a guy that can become that consistent threat when you need a basket, he makes a basket. When you need him to get to the free throw line and make free throws, he gets the free throw line and makes free throws. When you need someone to step up on the defensive end and play with a little bit of effort because some of the other guys are maybe going through the motions a little bit early in a game, Caleb Love can do that. That's the type of leader that you're looking for. And I think he's capable of it. This is a game where you can start showing that because this is going to be a weird environment. I am almost certain there will not be many people there. Most likely not. So it's going to be a an environment that is going to be a little bit strange. I mean, you've seen some raucous environments this year, and that, you know, against College of Charleston, that, that threw you a little bit mm-hmm. early on. But you've seemed to settle in. Now, I mean, this is not even going to be the environment that you saw at Georgia Tech. So you got to come prepared because, yeah, after a layoff like that, it is it's it's easy to sort of get into that mindset of you know uh, we're trying to get back in a rhythm. We need to knock some rust off. So you want to see these guys come out with that energy, that toughness. Again, I said on the last edition of the podcast, that's one of the things that concerns me about this team. Show me that there is not a reason for me to be concerned about that. Well, the second the, you know, as we move on to our second key to the game, another way they can do that is. They got to rebound the ball, and the biggest, this should just be a locked-in key. Well, the, every game. The biggest thing is more so because they've they've faced some opponents as of late, Kentucky, that they were they were excellent at rebounding the ball. Boston College is a great defensive rebounding team, mm-hmm. which allows them to dictate the tempo at the way at the pace the game's going to be played. They much like Elon Furman and App State. They know they can't run with Carolina. They're not gonna. Tr- they're not gonna be like the College of Charleston and and be dumb and see if they can run with the Tar Heels for forty minutes because they found out the hard way they couldn't do that. But the only way you can control the tempo is is, is if you control the glass. And as I mentioned earlier, they only allow six and a half offensive rebounds. That's ninth best in the country. They only allow 20, 29 rebounds. That's thirteenth best in the country. And as I mentioned, only three dudes on the roster that are six nine or taller. So they do it by committee. Mm-hmm. All of their guys, they're going to spend their entire, their, their all of their effort will be exhausted on not allowing Carolina to get offensive rebounds. They're going to send as many guys to get defensive rebounds as possible. That means, and I think this will be a tweak we've seen from Huber Davis at times, whenever they want to get more pressure on the glass, he'll move Garcia or Baycott, and they'll play three around two, and have those guys in position to go get rebounds. But this is a leaky black type of game. This is where you need him to be on the glass. I think Armando's going to get his, and I think Garcia and Manic between the two of those guys, they're going to get their fair share as well. Yep. But leaky black, the one thing he's been consistently good at this year, outside of being a great individual and then a team defender, is he's been a quality rebounder for Carolina. He's There's been games he's had double-digit rebounds. He's led the team in rebounding. I'm not saying he's got to do that. Well, this is going to be a game where don't seek your offense. Go to the glass, get second chance points, because you don't want this game being played at 55, 60 possessions. 
you get this thing up to 70 possessions or more, they're not as deep as you, they're not as talented as you, you can wear them out, and that'll be the key to winning. You know, you could joke about putting rebounding in every key to the game. It's the most important aspect of the game. Oh, team, yeah. Team, I mean, I agree team, with you to a certain extent. Teams that rebound the ball best, they usually win. And Carolina isn't rebounding the rate that they usually have under Roy Williams. We all expected that. But they've been proven to be a dominant rebounding team at times whenever it seems necessary that they got to rebound the ball. This feels like a necessary game where they've got to dominate the glass. I mean, I, I don't know if it's ne- – I, I feel like you should still be able to beat this team even if you don't have your best rebound – even if you don't dominate the glass. But, yeah, you you should be able to win this game on the glass. Your, your guys inside should be able to rebound the ball well enough. And, look, Armando Baycott, the last time we saw him, rebounded pretty well. A couple other guys had pretty solid nights rebounding. Brady Manick in that category as well. You need Dawson Garcia to rebound well in this game because he did not the last time that they were out there. So you need to see him bounce back in that category. And, yeah, Leakey, I think that that's a fair assessment. And, yeah, he's definitely, to me, become a little bit of a more consistent rebounder. I think you also want to see it from the guards, though. You want to see everybody buy in because in that game against Kentucky, and this is nowhere near the type of rebounding team that Kentucky was, that that – that is an elite rebounding team. Tashiwe just had another 20 rebound. Now, he's got four of those already this season. Yeah, that dude's an animal. So, I mean, they're they're rebounding on a different level. That's my point there. But you want to see everybody buying in because in that game, you were questioning the buy-in of even your bigs. Your guards were not even really attempting to rebound the ball. You cannot get to that point at any point the rest of the season. If there's a rebound there, you need these guys to show the effort to try to trace it to, to try to chase it down. And that's one where talked about good fouls. If you're diving to try to get a loose ball, if you're running to try to get a ball that's free and you run into a guy, I can live with that cuz you're making a you're attempting to make a play. Yeah. But at, it, well, that it, as opposed to just standing there and watching, like that's I mean that's the thing. So you want to see everybody with that same consistent rebounding effort. It's going to be hard to dominate the glass like you've done so far this year. But you know that you're at a when you play these group of five, or I'm blanking. What what do they call the smaller conferences in college basketball? Mid majors. Mid majors. When you play those teams, you're going to have nights where you just simply dominate them because you're just way more talented than them. In the ACC, I wouldn't say you're way more talented than anybody. You're more talented than teams, but the gap is a lot thinner. So, yeah, you got to bring that consistent rebounding effort every single night, and I want to see it from every guy on the floor. The last key to the game, um, it's you know, it's kind of a two-part, and the main part is this. Um, so so by, we have seven keys to the game, right. by the way. Play inside out, but the extension of it is R.J. Davis and Kerwin Walton build off of what you did against App State. R.J. Davis, 15 mm-hmm. points, 7 to 10 shooting. Kerwin Walton finally saw the ball go in the bucket, made two triples. But as we stress, if you go back and listen to that edition of the podcast, he got it done defensively as well. 
And that was been the big thing that was hindering him, hindering him from seeing the court was Hubert Davis and like he was defending and competing at a high level defensively. That changed. I've stressed all during the year Carolina was going to need him. Now is the reason why you need him because it's conference play. You need as many bucket getters as you can get. He's still your best shooter. And R.J. Davis fits right there behind Caleb Love where he's not the best player, but he might be the second most important player. And like Caleb Love, it's not at the same level, but when he plays well, Carolina plays a little They look different in a good way. Mm-hmm. Usually they they look a little bit more scrappier because he's a scrappy type of guard. So they play tougher when they see him dive on the floor. Yep. He's not afraid to drive the basket. When he's in attack mode, usually the rest of the team is in attack mode. On both ends of the court, they play with that aggressive tenacity that Hubert Davis wants, what I want, and what every Tar Heel fan should want from this team on both ends of the court. You you know, I think Armando's going to get his. Brady and Dawson, they're going to do – Dawson Garcia is probably due for a bounce back game. One of them's going to play well. We don't know which one. One of them will. Exactly. So you need the other guys to start chipping in because these road games in the ACC, they're they're tough, and it usually takes a team effort to go on the road and win. And, you know, I I think it should be really big for those two dudes for their confidence to come off almost a two-week layoff and play really well. And so that's what I want to see is those guys build off of the success they had back before Christmas. You know, for R.J. Davis, I think that's one of the biggest things now in conference play is we've seen moments throughout the at-a-conference schedule. Mm -hmm. You played well. You had moments where you played really well. You've had moments where you've kind of disappeared a little bit, though. And we just want to see more consistency. Well, we need more consistency. That's what we're asking for. So, for him, and I think he's capable of it, but... It starts with games like this. Mm. You've got to start somewhere with that consistency, and hopefully this is the game where that can start for him. For Kerwin Walton, yeah, it was that, that game was, was huge for Kerwin. Like you mentioned, he got it done on the defensive end, and that was pretty much the main reason that he wasn't, wasn't seeing as many minutes, especially early on in the season. The biggest thing that he gained in that game as well, though, was confidence offensively. Because it, he had lost that confidence. Mm-hmm. He had two games back-to-back where he did not take a single shot while playing seven minutes. That shows you that's a guy that right now is just not confident enough in his shot. And you hate to see it because when the dude's on, the dude's on. And he can he can knock him down just as well, just, just as good as anybody in the ACC, just as good as anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. So to see him knock down those shots was huge. And I think there will be confidence there. You know, some people may say, well, that could have been a hindrance that he had that much time off. Well, I'm hoping that in practice, he's been getting some good run. And he's still been shooting the ball a little bit more. Be aggressive with that shot. You're one of those guys, Kerwin, which I don't know why I'm addressing him like he listens to this podcast. He does. You're one of those guys that I'm okay with you sometimes putting up a shot that we may deem sometimes a bad shot. No, okay. No, see, that's where you crossed a lot. Well, here's the thing. What I'm saying is with how quick he releases shots, I want to see him put up that shot where he steps to his right and gets off that quick trigger shot. We haven't seen that that much this year. For other guys is what I'm saying. That's 
probably a bad shot. For him, we've seen him make that shot many times. So sometimes take that risk. Now, it may be late in a shot clock, but I'm going to live with that rather than, mm-hmm. no offense, R.J. Davis late in a shot clock taking one from the logo. I have failed you that you are willing to live and die with bad shots. I'm not saying live and die. I'm saying in a or be, situation. Or being comfortable with, with them taking bad look, shots. How, how many games have you ever watched where a team does not take a single bad shot the whole game? N- none. Exactly. So that's, but I'm, I'm more comfortable. Okay with it. But my thing is I want to get to a point where Kerwin Walton is that dude that you feel confident in and he feels confident enough in himself that if it gets to a situation where you have to take a bad shot, your best shooter, Kerwin Walton, is the guy taking that shot. As long as the ball's been passed three times and switched sides of the court, well, look, I'm going to complain less. If you're that late in the shot clock, then clearly. But the main thing, even outside of what I just said, this I want to see confidence from Kerwin Walton. Be confident in your shot. Be confident that you you can be a willing defender. I think that was part of the issue for him defensively was that he just knew, look, I've been blown by. I'm going to get blown by again here. Don't think that. Go out there with that mindset of, I came here to defend tonight. Look, if I get blown by a couple of times, that's there's nothing I can do about that. I'm just not a good enough defender, and that's just something I got to live with. But bring the effort defensively because you did in that game against App State, and it ended up working out well enough for you that it translated over to the offensive side. Despite Boston College just being six and five and having lost to Albany, Rhode Island twice, and St. Louis, Carolina just has a sixty-one percent chance to win this game, according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index. I've got a weird feeling Carolina's going to play very well. I don't know if it's going to be the best performance that they've played this year, but I do think they were building to get to this point because this is what you play the you know the 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 type of non-conference schedule for is mm-hmm. to get you ready for the gauntlet that is the ACC. And even though look the league is down, it's still a grind. You you got you got to do 19 of these things, and then do an ACC tournament and then play in an NCAA tournament. I think Carolina's going to win. I think they're going to win relatively comfortably, and then we'll be coming back on here in the new year feeling pretty good about the Tar Heels. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Carolina wins. I think that the first half is going to be reminiscent of what you've seen so far this year from Carolina, where it'll be a little bit of a slow start because they've just had Mm-hmm. That's so much time. That's off. kind of in their DNA, though. Too, they're, this is a second half basketball team, it's, right? People they're they're going to have to build to march to play forty minutes. People are wanting the cliche forty minutes, and right, I, this is not that game where you should demand that. You're coming off a long layoff. Granted, not as long as the team on the other side, but still a long layoff. There will be some rust here, but I think this is very similar to a lot of these games that we've seen here recently. Carolina's just going to run away from this team in the second half. And I feel like it's one of those games where Caleb Love plays well. Mm -hmm. And I think Armando Baycott can dominate this team inside. So I think, yeah, in the end, Carolina pulls away. But it's going to be one of those games in the first half. And you just have to kind of get, you know, situated with this. That 
this is going to be Carolina in the first half. Mm-hmm. After that, that second half, they're going to make the adjustments and they're going to pull away from some teams in ACC play. And I think that's what happens here. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. But before we let you go, I want to get you to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I'll have you covered leading up to the game with the preview of Boston College, a little bit more in-depth on the Eagles. Of course, there'll be a recap following that game as well. Um, as I continue to take you through the basketball season, football side of things, the season has finally come to a close, thank God. Carolina got embarrassed 38-21 to in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. There will be a recap up, a stock report up as well, and then Anthony will take you through. Check out that podcast, too. We do a lot of screaming. Yeah, and a lot of cussing. Good thing we don't have to do uh, laps on that podcast because we'd still be walking. Well, we didn't do a lot of cussing. You dropped one word that is radio unfriendly. Yeah. Um, so check uh, all that great content as even though the football season has come to a close, Anthony will keep you up to date with the latest with Carolina football. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We are on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We now host through Megaphone, but we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Pods, you name it. The Four Corners Podcast is there. Give it a like. Give it a review. But most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.